It'll help you to keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, if you uh, can turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, um, we're speaking on this month. We are speaking on leadership last month. How many learned some stuff on leadership last month? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank God for some of you that are applying it and are changing. Amen. Your, your fruits can show it. Amen. That you are a doer of the word. Amen. Amen. So I have, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 19 and let's go to verse 3. And I want to read to you just a little bit on, um, on marriage this month. We have a, a marriage retreat in, uh, in March, in the beginning of March. Amen. We want all the brothers, amen, take your wives, be a blessing. Amen. You're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need a sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, and let's go to verse 3. If you have it, say amen. amen. I'm going to be reading now to NLT. Amen. So the Bible says this. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. The record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother, and he is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked, uh, they asked, and Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only, only as an uh, association to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, that whosoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples said unto him, if this is the case, is it better not to marry? Uh, not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those who God helps. Some are born eunuchs. And some have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let everyone accept this who can. Can you say amen, church? Amen. amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, marriage. And I want to talk to you. Right here, God, Jesus covers divorce, marriage, and singleness. All in that little spot. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit. Because I've been, uh, I've been pastoring for a little while. And I've come to find out in my, in my pastoring that uh, in all the counselings that I do, that uh, single people are not the ones that are more lonely. As a matter of fact, the ones that are married and the ones that are trapped in a marriage are the ones that are the most lonely. Can you say amen, church? 
And what I mean by that is because uh, when you don't, uh, when you can't go to anybody, you can't talk to anybody, it's very difficult for you to share what your feelings are with somebody. Uh, and then sometimes you can't because you either have a tyrant um, wife or you have a tyrant husband. And sometimes it's very difficult for somebody to share their feelings and their emotions. It's very difficult. Uh, so when a person is married, they can't just go and get an ice cream cone with a friend because they're married. And they can't just share all kinds of stuff with them because they want to keep it private. So they're trapped. They're in prison in the marriage. And it becomes very difficult for some people because... Uh, they they are so lonely. If they they put on a facade that it's good and it's great, but inside they're very very lonely. Can you say Amen, Church? Boy, you got awful quiet. <laughs> say Amen or praise the Lord or whoop whoop or something. Amen. So I want you to understand that people that are married. Um, and people that are trapped, they don't want to share stuff. They don't want to share things. They don't want to share what's going on in their life. If you were single, then you would just go and get a, a coffee or an ice cream cone with somebody and talk to them and tell them what's going on in your life. But when you're married, it is different because you're trapped in an area where it's hard for you. You don't have hardly anybody to talk to. You don't have nobody to, that can relate to you. You have nobody that can speak to you. So you become trapped in an area, especially if it's, if it's very difficult for the husband or, or the wife. It's very difficult because they don't want to share things. They don't want to say things. And a person who is married uh, is just trapped in prison in their marriage, and they don't want to say absolutely one word. Can you say amen? So... I've come to realize that it's not the single person uh, that is lonely. I've come to realize that it's the married person that can't say anything about their marriage that is the most loneliest. Can you say amen, church? Amen. So marriage is so powerful because when a person gets married, it's uh, making a commitment to uh, another person. Amen. And when you're making a commitment to another person, it's because you're saying, I'm going to serve you. I want to serve you, I want to help you, I want to be a blessing to you. And uh, the wife is saying, I'm going to be a blessing to you. The husband's saying, I want to be a blessing to you. I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to help you. And uh, basically, they become partners. According to the scriptures, your wife is a helpmate. Can you say amen, church? Amen. According to the scriptures, your wife is a helpmate. And uh, marriage is really, really powerful. And the Lord holds it as a sacred entity, uh, even from the beginning of the law of Moses, even before there was a pastor, even before there was a church, even before there was a government, there was marriage. So I want you to understand that before anything, marriage is so powerful, so, so powerful in the eyes of the Lord that he upholds it really high. And uh, your communication with one another is going to determine how you're going to treat one another. You know, there's some marriages that uh, some people, uh, you know, I've seen some people that are really lovey-dovey and, uh, you know, they're over extreme uh, in front of people. Um, have anybody know what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> where, where, you know, they're at a barbecue and, you know, somebody comes up, the husband, hey, hey, honey, bunny, and, and <laughs> turns around, yes, honey, yes, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? And he's like, can you get me the hot dog and put this on it? And sure, sure, love of my life, no problem. And all the sisters are looking at the brothers like, why aren't you acting like that? Right? <laughs> but the sisters don't realize that that's just a, a facade they're putting on. Because when they're by themselves, they cuss at themselves. They cuss at one another. Can you say amen, church? They're just trying to put on a facade in front of everybody. Can you say amen, church? They kind of put on too much whipped cream on there. and just, just kind of spilling all over the place. So, you know, there's a lot of people that try to put on a facade and try to make it, you know, so wonderful. And, oh, my gosh, here you go, honey. Just the way you like it, nice and warm. And it's just ridiculous because it's like, my God, what? Man, this is incredible. And then five years later, they're getting a divorce. Can you say amen, church? They don't like one another. Something is definitely wrong when all of a sudden you start displaying. Then you have some that don't display nothing at all. They don't kiss their wife. They don't tell them they love them. They don't tell their husband they love them. They don't kiss their husband. They don't do nothing. They don't even kiss them goodbye. Can you say amen, church? So you have the extremes. You got some that go all the way to the extreme and then some that go all the way to the other side. And you have to understand that you got to learn how to balance. This is your, this is your life partner. Can you say amen, church? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that's your life partner. Amen. So you need to understand that marriage is so powerful that God holds it sacred. It's not just you and, and, and the individual, whether it's your wife or your husband, that, uh, that you're just marrying. It's a covenant that you're making with the Lord. So the Lord is allowing you to go ahead and marry your wife or marry your husband uh, because the Lord allows some, he wants something from you. If let's go to Malachi, uh, let's go to Malachi chapter, um, let me see, 2, and let's go to verse 13. Let me set the, um, the scripture on what this is saying here because Malachi was 400 years before Matthew. And uh, Malachi, the Lord used Malachi because in that day was a, like an epidemic of divorce. The number one problem in Malachi's day was a divorce. And they were divorcing for any crazy thing. If she overcooked the food, you were out. Can you say this? Some of you are like, all right, praise the Lord. <laughs> But they were getting crazy back in the day. They were changing laws and they were doing certain things and, and it was getting crazy. So if she, if you were with your friends and she would stay there a little bit too long, you could divorce her. Oh Lord, help me, Jesus. It was getting crazy back in those days. It was divorcing, it was divorcing like crazy and they weren't honoring nobody and it wasn't honoring nothing. And, uh, and the Lord used Malachi to speak to his people. And this is what he said. Uh, when he said in chapter 2, and let's go to verse, um, let me see, where is it? 13. 
Turn to your neighbor and tell him 13. Okay, it says, Malachi chapter 2. Here's another thing. Okay, let me explain to you before I read it. The Lord wasn't answering their prayers. And they were sacrificing, they were doing so many things, and the Lord was not answering their prayers. It's 400 years before Matthew. And uh, the Bible tells us that here the epidemic was divorce, according to Malachi. So the Lord goes to, his, to Malachi and uses Malachi to speak to his people, and this is what he says. He says, here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with your tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offering and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? And he says this, I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows that you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remaineth your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? He's telling you, well, God's going to tell you what he wants. He said, first of all, God tells you, the reason why I'm not answering your prayers Because you think there's no value or honor in your wife. And you think that you can treat her any which way that you want. So when you made the vows to her, I was right there. I was right in the middle when you made the vows. And and a three chord is not easily broken. So I was in that. I was right there in the commitments with you and your wife. And now that you're being unfaithful and you're doing certain things, I'm not going to answer your prayers. I'm not going to go ahead. You think it's just an argument, but God is saying, oh, no, this is not an argument. This is a covenant that you made with me, her, and you. So when you start arguing and you think you demean her and bring her to a place, or sister, when you start arguing and bring him to a place, then you go ahead and break the, God stops answering your prayers God breaks that relationship and says, you know what? You're on your own. Can you say amen? But the reason why he brought you together is this. The Bible says, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remaineth your faithful partner. Now, I want to I hit that one for a second because she's your faithful partner. She's not your slave. Everybody got it? She's not your slave. She's your faithful partner partner and a partner is one that is has equal value has uh they're still the same in value in in everything else they're measuring it's not that she's beneath you or or he's beneath you that's not what he's saying this is your faithful partner this is what uh, a faithful partner she's not your slave she's not telling she's not there just to cook for you and clean and wash your dirty clothes and everything else. That's not what she's there for. She's there to be your faithful partner. So you have to look at her as the same value that you have. Now, if, you're, if this is your faithful partner, you're not going to call her stupid. You're not going to call her dumb, idiot. 
You're not going to call it, you're not going to tell shut up, dummy, or you're not going to say any of that. Why, why would you call your faithful partner any of that? Lord, have mercy. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. It's way too quiet in here. So I want you to understand that when you become partners, uh, the Lord already witnessed the partnership. And when he witnessed the partnership, he was right there with you when he made the commitment. This is why when you think it's just you and your wife, you, you got to be very careful because it's God in the center of everything. Does that make sense? God is in the center of it. And it's not just you that you're dealing with your wife. you got to start looking at dealing with your children in the same process. Because God is looking at your children. And when you guys are arguing and you guys are, are disrespectful to one another, um, the Lord is saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to answer your prayers. There's no way I'm going to answer your prayers if you do not make things right with your wife. Can you say amen, church? Okay, here we go. So the Bible tells us this. Uh, here, faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. He said, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? One body, one spirit. You are his. And what does he want? What does the Lord want? He wants godly children from your union. That's what he says. I want you to have godly children. If your relationship is toxic... You cannot have godly children. Can you say amen, church? If your relationship, if you're cussing at one another, and you are, are going back and forth, arguing, uh, debating with one another, and going back and forth, and what about you, and what about, no, what about you, and what about, and I, what about you, and I'm doing this, and you need to do this, that's ridiculous. That's childish. That's a childish act. In the sight of the Lord. Because when you made those vows, you made the vows for the future. And the future is your children. Can you say amen? amen? So I want you to understand that God was right there when you made those vows to your husband or to your wife. And when you made those vows to them, God is saying, I'm going to hold you to the vows that you made because it is a commitment that we have. It's a commitment that we have all together. Not just you too. So I want you to understand that when he says the reason why, because I want godly, righteous children. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Whatever, if you have a toxic, a toxic relationship, and one is toxic and the other is toxic, you got two different toxics. You got, you got, you got uh, water and oil, just don't mix. Can you say amen, church? All of a sudden, you put these two together. The wife is toxic. The husband is toxic. You put these two together. It becomes all messed up, and then it just dripples down to the children. And the children got a little bit of both. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that when you start coming to the Lord and making things right in the eyes of the Lord... It's because God wants to be glorified in you and in your children. God wants to see the glory of God in you. And people want to see God in you. Not in, not, don't try to hide what God is trying to do in your life. 
You know, because there's some people that don't address their feelings or their emotions at all. They don't address anything. So I want you to understand something that God is trying to show you that you need to start learning how to overcome self. I remember so clearly I was married and it was very difficult for me because uh, dealing with self, nobody, everybody likes dealing with everybody else. Amen. You can tell, you can tell everybody, man, brother, you got an anger problem. Right? And brother, you're all messed up. Use this scripture and use this scripture. Right? Everybody, everybody can do that. Man, I had that one loaded for you back here, man. <laughs> but when it comes to self, it's like, whoa. Man, you don't even want to use the scripture because it's going to cut you up. You're just like, ah. So you have to understand that you got to see yourself. You got to start self-examining your own self. The, let me let me let me do this. Malachi is, is so powerful that he tells us, "I'm not going to answer your prayers. You're crying out. Please answer our prayer. Answer the prayer." Now we go into the New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament in First Peter chapter three verse seven. And First Peter chapter three verse seven tells us, "Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge." So the Bible tells us that you're supposed to dwell with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Then it says, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So wait a minute. He's talking about husband and wife in the scripture. But they got to be united. The husband got to understand and dwell with her with knowledge and understand her in every aspect of the way. And then towards the end of the scripture, he says, so that your prayers are not stopped. So they're like, wait a minute. It's not just an argument. It starts to affect you spiritually. Now it's a spiritual thing that starts to affect you because now you and your wife are at, 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 uh, at one another and going against one another and not on the same page and you're not as one. So if you're not as one, and, you know, some husbands let them do whatever they want to do. Some husbands control. Some husbands don't allow the wife to be the wife. You know, some husbands, I remember so clearly, uh, even a minister, didn't never allowed his wife to have any money. He was so tight. She couldn't even go to the store to buy a cup of coffee without asking him for $5. That's deep. That was so deep. That's a true story. I ain't messing with you. I'm telling you. And he gave Bible studies. Oh, my Lord. I would go to Sunday school just to hear this brother. That's how powerful his Bible studies were. But then his whole family ended in divorce because he never learned to overcome those things. Let me tell you something. Those things are going to happen. I don't care if you are, if, if the fruits are going to happen, your fruits are going to come out, whether they're right now or later on, it's going to come out. So you got to start dealing with everything right now. Turn to your neighbor and tell them right now. You got to deal with everything right now. I'm going to tell you, 
because the Bible tells us, put that scripture back up, please. The Bible says, husbands dwell with your wife with understanding, right? With knowledge, according to knowledge. Giving honor to the weaker vessel. Now, if you have something that is fragile, amen, uh, you have something that is fragile, a cup, you just can't throw it or also break. But this, I can throw. It's not fragile. So I can go ahead and throw something that is it's no big deal. But a person that is fragile, you can't throw like that. You can't even, you can't even talk to it wrong. I wish I had a witness in the house. Because it's so fragile. According to the scriptures, it's a weaker vessel. So it's weak. You can't just treat it any which way. The wife is the weaker vessel. You got to treat her with honor and respect. You can't treat her like one of the fellas. And you know, I'll go as far to say when two brothers get together, everything is great. And when two sisters get together, everything's wonderful. But when the husband and the wife get together, hello, somebody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? Because you got two different, you got two different species. From two different worlds. You got to learn how to deal with one another and learn how to overcome your own self. Look, if you're selfish, do not get married. Please, Facebook, do not get married if you're selfish. Please don't get married. I'll tell you that right now. You're going to ruin somebody's life. Stay single for the rest of your life. Treat yourself to a steak, relax, and be nice. Amen? You're going to mess somebody's life up real bad. So I want you to understand that if you're selfish, please don't get married. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, if you're selfish, don't get married. And you know, the union, the union between, and you know, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. You that are not married... And you've been with your woman for a little while now. Something's wrong with you if you're not married. You need to marry her. Because you don't want to make the commitment to marry somebody. That way you have the decision to leave at any time. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Okay, so let's go to... Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. I just want you to understand that the union of marriage is so important, so powerful in the eyes of the Lord that we have to follow the instructions. Don't follow your feelings. Do not follow your feelings or your emotions. Do not go by that. Because if you do, you're going to destroy your children. We'll talk about that right now. Okay. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. If you have it... um, let me, let me get it. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 22. Okay, so the Bible tells us, I'm going to read in the NL, NLT. 
You know what I mean? Okay. And the NLT. But I say unto you, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject of judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse at someone, you are in danger of the fire of hell. That's what the Bible says. Everybody with me? I mean, you that are cussing, my suggestion to you, please memorize that. And let God deal with you on a one-to-one basis. Everybody with me? Pastor, I can't stop cussing. Please memorize it, and I'll help you to help you to stop cussing. Amen? Okay, here we go. Uh, verse 23. So if you are... Uh, Presenting sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. He says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. This is what he's saying. Okay, the person, you, you don't even know if the person has something against you. You just think they have something against you. Imagine the ones that you know have something against you. The Bible says if you even think that you offended either your husband or your wife or your brother, your sister. If you even think, how many have offended their wives? Every hand should have went up already. Now, now I got to deal with liars now, man. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I give a Bible study on liars now. Okay. So everybody should have went up. Amen? How many have offended their wives? Everybody. Everybody has. If you haven't done, even the Bible says, if you have not caused offense, you're a perfect man. So I want you to understand that the Bible's telling us we have all offended. We have all caused offense to somebody. So if you even think that you have offended somebody, even if you think, man, I might have offended that person. The Bible says, leave your offering there. They don't even know what's going on. Leave your offering there. Go over there and tell them, hey, man, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, don't do it like this one brother did to me. He came up to me and he said, you know what? I was calling you a, a blankety blank and he was saying the words and everything else. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so you had all that in your heart? Yeah, yeah. And he walked away and he came back. Oh, yeah, I also had this. And he told me. Okay, bro, I got the picture. Thank you. <laughs> Don't be like that, brother. <laughs> Everybody got it? Don't say what you were thinking. Just apologize if you offended. That's it. So what you want to do is go up to the individual and tell them, I'm sorry if I haven't offended you. Because every relationship has to do with you humbling yourself. I don't care what it is. Every relationship has to do with pride and humble. And if you do not want to humble, you got pride. So you can take a survey right now. Take a survey. Let's just take a survey, a mind survey, mental survey. 
And let's go ahead and choose who, who humbles themselves the most in your relationship. And who does not have the problem in your relationship. Whoever doesn't have the problem got all kinds of pride. I think it's oozing out. Everybody got it? You guys see it? You got the mental picture? Lord have mercy. Okay. So if you do not humble yourself, you got all kinds of pride oozing out. And according to the scriptures, God resisteth the proud. That means God's like this. Saying, hey, stay over there until you humble yourself. I don't want to deal with you right now. Everybody got it? God resisted the proud but gives grace to the humble. So being united together, that's why it's so powerful when you're united. Because he said, when two or three agree on one thing, it'll come to pass. So unity is so powerful that the devil wants to bring division in the house all the time. Can you say amen, church? Matter of fact, you don't even have to work for division. Division is right there at the front door knocking. You don't got to work for it. That's why the Bible says endeavoring, always endeavoring to bring the spirit of unity into your house. Bringing it together. We got to be together. You need to be spiritually awake knowing that the enemy is trying to put a wedge in between your wife and you. He's trying to put a wedge right there. And if you were to see it spiritually, you would be humbling yourself more. He would say, you know what? The devil is a liar. We're going to go ahead and, and pray right now, get a hold of God, and surrender to the Lord and let God do what he has to do in our lives. But you got to make it right. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, make it right. I know what I'm telling you. Amen. You need to humble yourself. And that's where the relationships come. And you know there's some people, the Bible says, um, you know, to submit unto the Lord, as un, uh, to submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. And you can see some people's relationship with God when they're stubborn. Can you say amen? <laughs> if they're stubborn with God, they're going to be stubborn with the husband. That's nothing. That's just like... I do it with God already. So oh, you ain't nothing but a meatball. Everybody with me? And then the Bible tells us, so then your relationship is off with God. Your, your relationship is totally off. And here you're praying, speaking in tongues in the next room. You're just going, the neighbors are, what's going on over there? You get up out of prayer and you're like, and your husband tells you, honey, can you do this? What? You do it yourself. That prayer was just no good and it just hit the roof and that was it. Everybody got it? Everybody understand so far? It's a spiritual thing. Just because you have division between your wife and yourself or your husband and yourself, it means that you have division between you and God. And now all of a sudden, you want your prayers answered, you want mercy, you want grace, but then you don't give mercy or you don't give grace? Can you say amen, church? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. So the Bible says, if you even think you have something against somebody, make it right. 
That means you're humbling yourself every day. That means every day you're humbling yourself. That's where the scripture comes in. Pick up your cross and follow me. So you got to die daily. You got to die. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got to die. Some of you be nice now. Some of you be nice because some of you like, I'll take them out right now, pastor. Just give me the word. You got to die daily. Can you say amen, church? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better die. Better die daily, boy. On a daily basis. You need to die on a daily basis. Your anger needs to die. Your frustration needs to die. Your confusion needs to die. I'm, I know what I'm telling you. You need to surrender and let go and let God. Let's give God a round of applause. Come on, somebody. One time I was, um, I was eating at a restaurant uh, with my kids and uh, I seen, uh, we're on our way to a trip somewhere in San Diego, and I seen this bishop and his wife, and I seen the kids, his kids that were already married, their wives, I seen their grandchildren, and, uh, and the Lord impressed in my heart to buy them dinner, so I bought their check, and, um, and, I, and I started thinking, I was like, wow, my kids were really small still, and I was like, man, that is so powerful, that is so awesome. That he has all his kids around. Man, that is, that's amazing. He has his kids and his grandkids and their wives. It's just like, wow, it just blew my mind. Um, because I come from a broken home. So I'm just like, wow, that was amazing to me. That was so powerful. It changed my view of everything. And, and uh, I started thinking, I started saying, you know what? How in the world... I have this anger problem. I got this jealousy problem. How in the world are my kids going to want to hang around with me in 20 years? How in the world? They're going to hate me. I started looking at myself and said, man, what is wrong with me? Something is definitely wrong with me. And I got to fix this. I got to ask the Lord to give me wisdom and understanding and I started dealing with self. And I remember so clearly, that is not easy. Dealing with self is not easy. But you can do it with the help of the Lord. I'll tell you that right now. You can overcome your anger, your jealousy, your frustration, your confusion. You can overcome that with the help of the Lord. And God will use you tremendously for his honor and for his glory. I'm just letting you know. So according to, according to statistics, my family had no chance. I had no chance, according to statistics. My family had no chance because my father was an alcoholic, my mother. And uh, I had no chance. I come from a broken home, all messed up. So my children had no chance whatsoever. So when I came to the Lord and I seen that and I was like, man, how in the world can I turn this around? So then I started to go ahead and train my, myself first. I needed to train myself. But then I started to train my children on purpose. Let me break that down so you understand. 
I started training my children on purpose to become the men of God and the women of God they needed to be because I didn't see them at the here and now as a three-year-old or six-year-old or a 10-year-old. I seen them 20 years from now. So when I seen them 20 years from now, I treated them like if they were going to be with me, eating and sitting down and wanting to be with me. Does that make sense? Listen to me. That means I had to check myself. What, you know, the, the most loneliest people are the most angry. Not even your children want to be around you. Not even your children. Nobody wants to be around you. Your wife just puts up with you. And vice versa. Your husband just puts up with you. Because the, one of the angriest people are the loneliest. Lonely because they're so angry. They're so angry at, at life. They're so angry at the things that happen in their life. They're angry at the situation. Some people get so angry they lose focus. They lose um, consciousness of who's in the room. Your partner, the one the Lord gave you, the vows that you made with your partner is the one that you're supposed to take care of, the one that you're supposed to help, and you lose consciousness of it, and boom! You start cussing, start yelling, start treating them like trash. And the Lord is trying to deal with you to take you to the next level of your life so you become the, the powerful man of God God wants you to be. Amen. Can you say amen, church? Amen. So I want you to understand something. When the Lord started to deal with me, it, was, it didn't happen overnight. I had jealousy. I had anger. I had so, much, I had so many things. And uh, I had to look at myself because I didn't want my kids to be the exact same way. Um, if, if you start cussing in your home, a Christian person shouldn't be cussing in their home. Um, a brother and sister, let alone you know, anybody else in the ministry, should not be cussing in the home. Let me tell you something. If you are, then you're setting the precedence for your children. So when they go to school and they start cussing at the teacher or they start cussing at a, at a, a schoolmate or they bite them. I've, had, I've seen that too. A brother from church. <laughs> Anyways. <sighs> Lord have mercy. <sighs> he... the. <laughs> The kid, they, the kid bit another kid. And he just didn't show the teeth mark. He pulled out some blood. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. And I'm trying to explain something to you so you understand that that was a normality in the house. That was normal. That's a normal function in the house. So when it happened in the school, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. What's the big deal? I bit the guy. Everybody with me? It's a normality in the house. The cussing, normality. No big deal. It is what it is. My dad does it to my mom all the time. My mom does it to my dad all the time. No big deal. So it's a normality in the house. So when the children start to act a certain way, it's because they're acting out what you have given them. So this is why I say in the beginning of this Bible study, it's going to come out, whether it's through your children or whether it's going to come out through the future. Something is going to happen where you need to start learning how to overcome all these things that are coming your way. Can you say amen, church? 
You need to learn to start learning how to overcome the things that happen in your life and let God do be God in your life. Look here, my children are not perfect. My children are not perfect by, by any means. We're not perfect, me and my wife. We have all kinds of problems. But there's one thing that uh, helped us a whole lot that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you. It's a secret that you need to have, that you need to have it in your home that's going to save your life and save your kid's life. I'm going to tell you what it is. When the moment that Sister uh, Dahlia uh, told us, you know, it was more like a law of, and I agreed, you know, that we couldn't talk about anybody, anybody in the house of the Lord, make fun of somebody or ridicule the person or make fun of the individual or talk about them and say, you know what, they're like this and they're like that. And you know what, this ain't right. And they, they shouldn't be like this or the minister, or the, let alone, a oh my gosh, we can't even talk about ministers nor the pastor, let alone the, oh my gosh, there's no way. So I want you to understand, the moment we decided to do that <coughs> is the moment that God started to bless us in our home. And we didn't talk about that in front of our kids because we didn't want to give our kids any toxins about the church because the church was everything to me. The church, the brothers, the pastor, the ministry was everything to me. Let's say my life. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord changed my life. And I would tell my kids, hey, you, you need to respect the house of the Lord. You, you need to pick up. You need to help them. You need to do whatever it is. Hey, brother, my kid will help you right now. Don't worry about it. He's going to help you. I, I have to show them to respect the house of the Lord, respect the man of God, respect the people of God. And when I had to just start to show it, it was on purpose because I wanted them to understand when they get 20 years up ahead, I want them to respect the house of the Lord and have a relationship with God like never before. That supersedes my relationship. That supersedes everything, my success. I want them to succeed even higher than me. And I want them to have a relationship with God like nobody's business. So I had to start on purpose. I had to show them, I need you to go ahead and start learning how to pray, son. And I, and I wouldn't go over there and teach them how to pray. You know how to teach them how to pray? I tell them, here, come next to me. And just because they were there, I'd pray even harder. And I would worship when I don't feel like worship just because they were watching me. And I did it anyway. And I said, Lord, I'm going to do this unto you with all my heart because I am not going to lose my kids to the world. I will never lose my kids. So I've been in drugs. I've been in prison. I've been in all kinds of stuff. I'm not. I went to I did all that stuff. I did more than enough for the whole family. We don't need, I don't need anybody else gang banging, acting like a gangster. I don't need all that gospel gangster and all that stuff. I don't need that trash. I'm telling you, you, you need to start learning, mom and dad, you need to start learning to become the example that God wants you to be. Listen, how in the world could you want your kid to pray when you don't pray? 
How? How? It just doesn't make any sense. How, how do you want them to serve God with all their heart when you don't serve God with all your heart? This just doesn't make any sense. The only reflection and the only mirror they have is you. Can you say amen, church? Your marriage is not just a marriage. It's a covenant between you and God and your wife and your husband. Can you say amen? Everybody with me so far? Let's all stand. I didn't even get to Matthew chapter 19. Amen. We'll cover that next week with the help of the Lord. But it covers divorce, singleness, and it covers marriage. And I'm going to tell you, God hates divorce. And if you were to humble yourself, you wouldn't need to get a divorce. If you were to humble yourself, you don't need divorce court because you would be humbling yourself in the eyes of the Lord and doing what God wants you to do. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. If, if your heart is not right, amen, you need to get right. If it's right, then stay right. But if your heart is not right, let's get right with the Lord. Let's ask God, God, we, I, we need to repent today. Let us do it right in the eyes of the Lord and serve the Lord with all our hearts. Amen? Amen? It's never too late. It's never too late. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor and the glory. We thank you, Lord. We love you with all our hearts, all our minds, God. We thank you, Lord. I love you with everything we got, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to put your hand upon the marriages right now. God, that you would bring unity. You bring conciliation God that you would bring everything back together have my have the brother repent do it right in the eyes of the Lord have the sister repent God and do it right in the eyes of the Lord amen to serve you with everything they have amen to do things right in your eyes I love you Lord I give you the honor and the glory God in Jesus name amen hallelujah if somebody give God a round of applause Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen.